And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, we'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always, that's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now... Let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. On today's episode, by your request, this was an idea you all came up with and then you voted for. We are talking about burnout. We actually paid attention to. We do. Sometimes we actually we actually listen. A lot of times, Larry, we don't know what we're doing, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes things come together. I think this is gonna be one of those really great episodes. We're talking about burnout what it is, how actually many of our favorite Star Trek captains have experienced it in the stories that we love, and what we can learn from that, what we can do about burnout, and how we can all move forward and uh, do all that boldly going. Um, so welcome. If this is your first time at Life Support Live, Larry, what do we do here? What is Life Support? Well, yes, as you started to say, we boldly go through uncertain times. We com- we look at mental health through a Star Trek lens, or we look at Star Trek through a mental health lens. But we always keep it light. But hopefully, you come away with some uh, with some tips and daily living, and you come away with some new Star Trek background knowledge, and maybe even make a new friend because we have an awesome community. And if you don't know already, please join in the chat. Whether you're coming to us from YouTube or Facebook or even Twitch now. Everybody should see all the questions from the other chats, which is great. So jump in, and we're going to jump in on burnout. And this is usually the point in the show, Larry, where I point to how you can um, join us on Skype if you'd like to join the conversation. And I realized I forgot to put that on. So let me <laughs> let me engineering. I need the overlay. There we go. You know what? Uh, we've got good engineers here. Very good. Thank yeah. goodness we have a we have an efficient crew. On our lower decks, thank goodness. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, it was kind of hard not to. It was like a sledgehammer. But uh. <laughs> uh, so we would love to have you join the show. Uh, two ways to do that: um, in the comments below, we are in and out of the comments throughout the whole episode, and then also um, you can join us on Skype uh, if you like to join the show and actually be the third window here. That way, we'll put you'll be that way. Um, you can join us on Skype over here. Uh, Larry, we got, um, before we get into burnout, um, it's Comic Con! Yay! Week. It's yeah. uh, Comic Con at home. And for those of you who uh, remember the uh, the genesis of this show, the Genesis device, um, <laughs> that guy so sounds like Yoda. I can't get that guy from Star Trek 3. I can't get that out of my head. But. Um, yeah. Neither can I now. 
<laughs> good, good. My inception is working on you. Uh, this is the drinking game already. Okay. <laughs> Larry and I have always had a connection to Comic Con. We first met there. Um, we've done many panels together. This show was supposed to be a panel at a Comic Con, not the Comic Con, but a Comic Con. And so, uh, Larry, Comic Con at home is happening this week, and we both have had some panels. We couldn't get our act together and do a panel together for Comic Con at home. <laughs> but live support live. Who thought that idea? And yes, it's Whoops. called Live Support Live, by the way. I do know the name of my own. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. Um, Larry, can you um, I, I posted the links in the comment to both of our um, both Before of our we panels. get too far down in the chat. Yeah. Yes. But Scroll can back. you can you just uh, tell folks about your panel? Um, I watched it the other night, and I, I really loved it. Uh, what's your oh. panel all about? No, it's I'm called, serious. I'm not just saying that. I'll tell folks why called, I love uh, it. it. Well, thank you, sir. It's called Three Generations of Science Advice for Star Trek. And I was so thrilled. I got something I wanted to do live, but it dawned on me that more people are going to see it this way than would have ever seen it live. But, no, I've got the last three science advisors formally titled for star trek television which means all the way back to 1991 in the fifth season of of next generation so i've got narain shankar who was the his first hollywood job was science advisor he was friends with ron moore science advisor next generation for two years and then he went on staff for the seventh season of next generation his immediate successor was andre bormanis who then did it for like the entire run of the rest of next gen ds9 Voyager and Enterprise, but he became a staff writer as well and up the chain. And they both went on to do all other little things called Cosmos in Andre's uh, case, running CSI in Narain's case. And then now today, uh, Andre's on the Orville and Narain is running a little thing called The Expanse as the top dog there. And then our current. I've heard of that science- show. I've heard, heard of that show. It's, it's yeah. promising. It's a little promising science fiction show. Well, Small budget, unknown actors. Yeah, but yeah, and, they, and the other thing that's really boring about all this is the Expanse and even the Orville and Cosmos that uh, Andre worked on, uh, CSI, the cop show, all of them really leaned on science hard, so you see their bona fides there. But we also, also, our third member of the panel is Dr. Erin McDonald that a lot of people have met recently. She's the current, as of last December, so don't blend the spore drive on her, although she has... <laughs> She has retconned it for public consumption, but uh, Aaron is the current science advisor for all six established shows that have been out or in production. So I had the last 30 years of uh, science advisors on Star Trek, and we talked about Star Trek science and how the industry has evolved and how it's gotten better for science, actually. So it was it was awesome. And they and uh, they had not all met each other totally in the round. So that was fun. What I loved about the panel, Larry, is um, it actually became a story about how to transition from a science field to Hollywood and the weird and wacky ways in which that works, which that's one of the things I love about um, hanging out with you is we talk Star Trek and then we kind of get to like uh, Hollywood and like how the two worlds interact and all the weird and funny stuff that happens. And there's some great, there's some great gems in that, um, in that panel. So the link is in the comment below. Um, Really worth checking out San Diego Comic-Con. We can't have it in person this year. 
So San Diego Comic-Con has just opened it up to everyone. There's uh, All the panels are free, so check it out. There's also a Star Trek Universe panel. Star Trek is one of the only big franchises to still be at Comic-Con this year. So please go um, watch the Star Trek Universe panel. It's um, on the official CBS uh, page, I believe. Let's show Star Trek a lot of support. So San Diego Comic-Con keeps greenlighting more Star Trek content. Like my panel. Uh, I was going to say. Which is the return of an old favorite and the yes. way that we met. Yes, You're yes. Right. This is the way we met. Um, we first did this panel, I believe, in 2013. And that's where Larry uh, and I met. We were paired up for the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. This is a panel that um, I do with my colleague, Dr. Drea Ledimenti. She is my colleague on the other side of the aisle, on the Star <laughs> Wars side. We've been friends for a long time, and we both share a love of Star Trek and Star and Wars. I'm not even jealous that you've reconnected with your ex. <laughs> I could have many, many yes. hosts, many partners on panels, Larry. It's okay. I'm... Okay. Uh, there's a lot of love to go around when it comes to the franchises. Um, so Larry was on episode one of this, which is also on YouTube. If you if you're interested in watching episode one, um, we we had a fun time debating Data versus C3PO and all that stuff um, in Larry's panel. We have a new panel where we talk about um, Mandalorians versus Klingons. We talk about Michael Burnham versus Ray. We talk about the sequel trilogy versus the Kelvin timeline. We talk about Picard versus Luke, which is which is probably my favorite uh, of the debates there. So definitely check that out. Um, and we also got Todd Sashwick, which who um, was uh, a character. He played a character on Star Trek Enterprise. Um, and we had Jennifer Miro, who has written um, Star Wars uh, Forces of Destiny. So check out the panel. Links below. Um, and please give San Diego Comic-Con um, your Star Trek love so we can keep getting a lot more uh, Star Trek content at, at Comic-Con. Um, so with that... We also want to hear from you. What are your favorite stories about burnout or dealing with burnout from the Star Trek universe? I get is that what we're calling it now, Larry? The Star Trek universe? I that's think it's, what that's what they've uh, trademarked now. They're using on the little logo, Star Trek universe. Yeah, it's really more of a multiverse. Now, I'm not a science advisor, but <laughs> you have the mirror universe. You have the Kelvin timeline. This is a multiverse. It's not a universe. Uh, okay, just say it. Just no, say it. I, if you want to just overkill, we're trying to attract new fans. We're not trying to run them off. So <laughs> trying to get all complicated and techno babbly right out of the yeah the multiverse. Okay, fine. I have uh, to tech the tech. That is <laughs> that assumes they're actually going to go back and pick up and use the Kelvin verse for future adventures or something. So I don't know. I don't know. Or or do a mirror universe show. I hope show. so. I hope so. I think we need we need one People more. People know the Star Trek universe is multifaceted and multi-universed without having to be hit over the head with it. But anyway, plus it's longer and it you know doesn't fit in the logos. <laughs> Scott says Doctor Ellie seems to have quite a past. Oh. I can assure you, Doctor Trek does as well. There are there's a there's a lot of stuff in those personal logs. I can tell you that. So let's get started here. Um, <laughs> we have to have privacy as a topic some week, okay? 
<laughs> That'll be our, our topic week one um, of Star Trek Lower Decks. If you've seen the teaser for it, you know that personal logs play play a role there. So um, let's dive into this. Usually I save this for the counselor's log, but we're talking about burnout, and I think we need to kind of define what the heck we're talking about. Um, the burnout is a real thing, and there's a few things that go along with burnout. I'll talk a lot more about why we experience it and what to do about it when we get to the counselor's log. But um, to open up here our um, our briefing, um, I think we need to get a little bit of orientation here to what what this topic actually means. So, Larry, let me know if you've experienced this at all, maybe during this pandemic. I don't know. Oh. But burnout... No, you- yeah. Oh, go finish your thought. I'm it, sorry. Burnout incorporates exhaustion, physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion. You feel detached, <laughs> detached from sneezing, however. Oh, and bless you. Bless you. Right that there. would be a good antidote to burnout. <laughs> um, sure your body still functions. You're physically exhausted, but you're also detached. You might be detached from your body. You might feel detached from, um, you might feel detached from your body. You're not actually detached from your body. This is not a TOS episode about Spock's brain. Um, but you, you might feel detached from your work, from people around you, like you're going through the motions, but it doesn't really quite matter. You might feel very ineffective, like the stuff you're doing, you're not not really making much of a difference like why bother um, you might also feel no sense of accomplishment um, like again your work is not making a difference and um, to put it very simply everything you're putting in it doesn't feel like you're getting out what you should be getting out that's what burnout is and Larry this was not a topic you and I came up with but as we started thinking about it we realize there are quite a few characters in Star Trek who have experienced burnout. And All right. we kind of realize that maybe you and I are experiencing some burnout as well. Oh, listen, I mean, seriously, I the last I have noticed uh, my mood the last just the last couple of weeks. It's like okay. even the first two, three, four months, it was like, OK, get stuff done. OK, help people. OK, yeah, unique chance. OK. And it's like I got several things done on my to- I got my taxes done. I got I got some money came in. I got my new computer ordered finally. And the last couple of weeks, I think I, it's finally hit me. It's mm. talking about that disjoint a little bit, that disconnection. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm glad that burnout was suggested as a topic because you know what? I was starting to run out of ideas for this shit. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> burnout was timely. It was timely. And everybody, we are keeping an eye. that We're not to hailing frequencies yet, but we are keeping an eye on the chat and i just wanted to say a shout out to my my business coach and friend jess joswick is was with us at least for a little bit there so anyway it's good we'll be i'll be keeping tabs in the chat but yes yes tell us all about it dr ali burnout burnout yeah well, um it is across all star trek um, it is all across star trek and we're getting some great uh feedback in the comments about um season six of deep space nine uh, nathaniel was talking about that Libby yes. mentions Ferengi love songs on Deep Space Nine when Quark burns out. Um, that is a great, a great pick. I totally forgot about that one. And Scott also mentions the immunity syndrome. Um, I was so- going to say we were. That's the originals. We were thinking about an original series episode that we couldn't quite put our finger on right out of the gate, and that's what it was: immunity syndrome. But 
as as you and I started talking, Larry, it became so obvious that some of the major captains have all experienced burnout in one way or another. And the first name that came to mind is, of course, the first captain. Well, kind of the first captain, if you don't. The first lead captain. The first yeah. lead captain. Well, the first lead captain in the series. Uh, Star Trek's Kirk, James T. Kirk. So how does Kirk experience burnout? Um Larry, it's the films, I think, completely bookend a story of burnout. Um, Starting with the motion picture, Kurt gets promoted. He becomes admiral. He no longer is in command of the Enterprise. And then there's admiral for a couple of years. He's been admiral for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we see him, he's already been admiral. (laughs) And then there's a critical scene in... The Wrath of Khan that I think kind of summarizes it, and and you you talked about it very beautifully in our in our pre call. Well, it's one of my favorite scenes because it's really a McCoy scene, but uh, no, it's it's the I've always loved the line that the whole you know, damn it, Bones, tell me what you really think. <laughs> but it's it's right after McCoy, and I believe we have a clip from it. There we well, go. Well, we don't have a clip. We got an image. Well, this is what we used to call a film clip. Used to be a still. <laughs> oh, like a. Film. Oh. You're folks, a clip collector. You anyway, a bonus that's a great factor right there. He says, he says, get this, get your command back, get your command back before you join these antiques that you've got here, basically. And it's, um, yeah, he's he's chewing him out for what what his lethargy is about right here. And, so you, uh, he, he he's kind of he has been he's become detached from the work that really gives his life meaning and purpose he's become detached he doesn't really see that much value in him being an admiral he he so quite misses what he did he doesn't feel like the work he's doing has the same impact that it did before um and it's almost like that's the key to the whole thing you know, I mean, I'm not a real doctor, but I couldn't help but think. Don't give them spoilers to the counselor's log. Don't give them spoilers to the counselor's log. But it, it also, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I it's one of my least favorite Star Trek films. But I think there's some really great nuggets of of wisdom, of psychological wisdom in it. And, and in Star Trek Generations, we see Kirk clearly tell Picard in the Nexus... Don't let them promote you. Don't let them... Man, I wish I knew the line so I could do an impression. Don't let them promote you. Don't let them do anything that'll take you away from the bridge of the starship. Because when you're there, you matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little window into Kirk's burnout when he was an admiral. Because he really didn't feel like what he was doing mattered. Uh, And he's not the only Kirk... That experiences burnout on screen, Larry. There's you mean we have a multiverse to play with here? I, I told you. It's a Star Trek multiverse, right? We have um, our Kelvin timeline, Kirk, who experiences burnout as well. One of my favorite lines in Star Trek Beyond is uh, when he talks about life starting to feel a little episodic. Not only <laughs> is that a wonderful wink to Star Trek. Larry, that explains our life right now. The days look the same. There isn't much change. 
what's the purpose? What are we doing? Why are we out here? Star Trek Beyond is really a story about Kirk and the crew um, being a bit detached from each other, but also their mission um, as a part of Starfleet, as a part of the Federation. And that whole film is about reconnecting with the purpose and why they're out here. I love Star Trek Beyond. I love that story so much. Yeah, it's almost as if somebody said, hey, guys, you've got your two year mission. Uh, but, you know, but the bad news is nothing you do for two years is worth putting on film. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, one uh, Jared says gratuitous naked Kirk I mean that Kirk Prime or Kelvin takes any opportunity he can to be shirtless, um, shirtless that, that that's not my doing Jared that's just the character that's uh, an original series drinking game line yeah shirtless Kirk <laughs> shirtless Kirk right I mean Larry one thing I'll, I'll say about Star Trek Beyond is it did feel a little rushed that they're at this point of burnout. It's only their third film. I mean, at this point, the original... Well, you know, Ollie, everything is so advanced in the Kelvin universe. All because, you know, the Kelvin blew up and Kirk lost his dad. The entire universe moves faster and ships are bigger, you know? Uh, tomatoes are cheaper. Potatoes are cheaper. Now's the time to fall in love. No, wait, that's an old song. Um, but no, everything moves faster. So I, as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, even the burnout... What took Kirk until his admiral days, you know, happens when he's the remember the overly pre uh, promoted. Yeah, he's a kid and he's burned out already. It's a sad universe to live in. It's just sad. You thought uh, the mirror universe was tough. This is the mentally tough one. <laughs> uh, Clayton is arguing that um, I'd say Pike was showing signs of burnout in the first pilot when he and his doctor are chatting about being tired of being captain. Clayton. Whoa, my goodness. Another captain. We have another example of a captain from the same era, Larry, who is also showing some of those signs of detachment and potentially getting burnt out. That's a great pick, Clayton. I love, I love our comments section. I love this community. You all are so cool. I can't wait to have our live in-session life support retreat. Um, oh. It's it's gonna be awesome, but um, let's let's. My, my coach Jess just has a great question. How do yeah. characters deal with over identifying with their jobs? Is that a source yeah. of burnout for them? Oh, ooh, that's oh. great. Too that's... much, too much uh, work at work when you live at your work like they do. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into that in the counselor's log. That is, um, it's a great, I'll give you the quick answer to that, is uh, oftentimes when you, when you uh, are overly connected with one part of your identity, and that part of your identity starts to not go so well, you're more vulnerable to burnout, as opposed to people who might be well connected with two or three parts of their identity, their communities, the things that give them meaning. So you're absolutely right. Being overly connected with your mission as a captain or as a Starfleet officer, if something bad happens, you might you might be struggling with that. And we're going to see that with one of our captains from the Delta Quadrant. Uh, but before we get to that, um, I wonder what captain that could be, Larry. Captain Ransom, he was so oh oh, 
You're right. Well, he's experiencing a lot of stuff going on there. But I want to talk about uh, one of my top three episodes of Star Trek, uh, top three of all time, and that's oh, really? In the Pale Moonlight uh, with Captain Benjamin Sisko. Um, and to set up this episode, it, it really comes to this moment right here where Sisko is putting up more and more and more casualty reports, these long lists of Starfleet officers who have died in service of protecting the Alpha Quadrant from the Dominion. I was going to say, during the Dominion War, the depths of the Dominion. During the Dominion War. This is really um, deep into it, and also during a time when it's not going well for the Federation, it's not going well for the Klingons, Um, these casualty lists are getting longer, and Sisko starts to get used to and a little numb from posting these casualty reports. Um, and that kind of scares him, is how routine it's become. And, and this is where burnout, you know, aspects of it can be highly adaptive. Um, getting a little numb to some of the really difficult parts of uh, some of the more traumatic parts of what you're going through, that's one thing that can help you get through the situation. But he's experiencing so much of that, and it's it's really unhealthy. And now, the reason it's my favorite episode is because of everything that happens next. But that's that's something that you, I've never really thought about it through that lens, Larry, un, until we were prepping for this episode. Oh, on the burnout side of things. On the yeah, burnout well, side. yeah. It's, it's a, and somebody's mentioned in the chat. It is a recurring theme for him, mm-hmm. which is why. Um, well, we talked about PTSD last week, and and Nog taking refuge in the holodeck with Vic to get over his leg, and having and it was more traumatizing than it really should have been, but that just was his reaction. You go. I mean, a lot of people in the same vein. Bada bing, bada bang was such a bizarrely happy, funny, funky adventure in the middle, right in the middle of the Dominion War episodes. Um, yes. I was going to say that a minute ago, too, right, Scott? But, I mean, it's but it's that same kind of, you know, it's like pinching yourself. Like, how do you, you know, when you, at least you recognize that you're in burnout. Now, we've talked about stress, we've talked about anxiety in general terms, and a lot of this is in, in this realm of, I guess, mental health seems like it's on some kind of a continuum and burnout almost sounds like it's the first stage along the path to depression to, to PTSD at the, at the end but I was saying as we were talking that as we came up with some examples and not to have 40 you know 47 different ones that we talk about but <laughs> I was saying that some of our examples are coming like like uh, fake Kirk or excuse me Kelvin Kirk yes um, Kelvin Kirk <laughs> He's, he's, but he's in burnout from routine. Yes, yes. And we're talking about Cisco being in burnout in some of the other cases, and and uh, Pike even early Pike in the cage. Although they did have a, they had a, a ruckus, they had a fracas on on uh, on the Rigel colony, uh, Rigel seven, <laughs> Rigel seven A. But some of the those were kind of like mundane routine where you lose track. But then we've got these life these they're not mundane and routine. They're life and death. Cases yes. like the Minion War. Yes. Like your favorite uh, Delta Quadrant episode that you're going to talk about in a second, I think. <laughs> uh, but some of these are more about like life and death. But the, the common thread in both is that you're helpless and that you're you're so detached. I mean, you're yeah. not detached from your work. You're detached from feeling like you're having an impact. But yes. one of them is like impacts with 
I mean, they're all, life could always be at stake. But one of them is much more mundane. But the other one is life and death staring you in the face every day. And knowing that that's calling Cisco and the Dominion War, they may all be going numb. Yeah. But they, they can't afford to be because they've ultimately got to prevail. And giving into that is going to be the first you know, step on the spiral down. This, you know? you're, you're completely right. That so it burnout. feels like burnout, yeah. You could have job burnout and just go home and yell oh. at your wife or your husband. Right. But I mean, it's it, there are good... so, there's so many pathways to burnout. And what I think that shows us is how um, um, I'm going to tie back to that in the counselor's log because that actually um, gives me hope, Larry, because the, the solutions that we have to burnout can, can help people who are both on the front lines of the Dominion War, as well as someone who is um, feeling the rut of the monotony of their life, like Kelvin Timeline Kirk. And uh, it's very important for us. Like I mean, 2020 or citizens. Well, yeah. exactly. I mean, exactly. That's why we're talking about this now. There are so many reasons why people can be experiencing burnout right now. You have the monotony of your day. Like, I can't think of the last time I had to dress for going to quote unquote work. Because um, that, you know, I, it's so rare that I. Today. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. This is this is for for you guys, but um, it's the days look pretty much the same, and um, at the same time, there are people on the front lines right now of the coronavirus. We have essential workers who are um, every day putting themselves into danger to help the rest of us. We also have, um, uh, there's police brutality, there is trauma, there is um, uh, so much division, divide. There are so many reasons why you might be feeling helpless yourself. Like, hey, look, I'm putting on a mask, I'm sheltering in place, I'm following the rules of my country, um, and we know that this is a global audience and every country's in a different state. um, in general, I think most of the rest of the world is doing better than America is right now with the coronavirus. We're number one in USA. USA. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a lot of people might feel helpless. Like, why am I doing these things if it's not if it's not um, helping, or I don't even know what to do. There's, uh, like, is there any hope? A lot of parents are struggling with what to do with school now. There's no right answer here. It's very easy to experience burnout for so many different reasons right now, and that's why we wanted to talk about this. Uh, yeah. You you alluded to, um, to a episode of Star Trek Voyager. And oh, yes. It's this moment right here. From Star Trek Voyager's Night. Um, yes, it not took, the void. Not the void. <laughs> Larry and I were having a conversation. I was like, well, remember that episode where this happened? I think it's called Night. And Larry said, you just described an episode called The Void. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I started watching the episode The Void. I'm like, no, that's this is not it. Um, and then I was like, let me watch Night. And I started to watch Night. And they kept calling this region of space that they're in The Expanse. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, but then they started calling it... Then they started calling it um, uh, The Void. Yeah, and I was like, Larry, this is why we got confused. Is because in the night they talk about the void, but there's also a Star Star Trek episode Voyager called The Void. So, anyways, 
confused. You I, got you got a little confused too. You got you you. Mm, we were not mind melding. We didn't have our usual mind melding. We did this on camera three or four weeks ago, and then it happened the other night. Yes, but okay. <laughs> Jared but says. We're now. We're all clear now. Larry said, uh, Jared says, to recap, Larry knows the name of the show and Ollie doesn't get dressed to do live streams. Yeah, yeah I guess that, that about covers it. Um, if you're watching the San Diego Comic-Con panel, this show is apparently called Life Support Log. Um, I think <laughs> I think that would be the Vulcan version of the show would probably be called Life Support Log. Um, <laughs> it's all about Larry and his one little <laughs> Um All right, so... So, the character, guys, come on. Okay. Let's talk about Janeway here. Um, so, when we, when we see her in that moment, um, getting back to this moment right over here... We'll put it up again, yes. Yeah, so she is disconnected from the rest of the crew. She's, they've entered this region of space where you can't see any stars. It's been about two months they've been moving through this region of space. No planets, no real readings, nothing is coming up. It is this dark void. And Sensors flatline. Right. They don't, they don't see anything. And so what happens is um, Janeway sort of goes into seclusion. She completely... Um, She's like she's like crazy Aunt Kathy that we keep up in her room. Yeah, yeah. I mean the old stereotype of you know we put the you know the mentally ill person in the family up in the attic and no one goes up there. It's really that really gets creepy and everybody else goes about their business like she's suddenly not there, as you see at the beginning. Yeah. And so, Larry, what do you what do you think's happening here with Janeway? What's what's happened to her? Well, it looks like she's without any new, you know, there's no adventure of the week. Everything is the right. It was a writer's strike or something. I don't know. No, they've got they've had nothing to do. And all she's had to do without new stimulus, new um, I don't mean new stimulus checks. I mean, new (laughs) stimulus of external adventures. It's like she's started. She's got into a dwell cycle where she started to dwell about her decisions and what got them there. And she's reminiscing ruminating on the caretaker and the array and all the decisions, which I thought was a stupid decision myself, but, you know, too late for that now, kiddo. Um, But, yeah, it's like she's had time to reflect, and she's fallen into that depressive spiral down where she's, uh, yeah, overthinking it. And uh, and they're all letting her. And I I watched this episode back uh, last night in preparation for this, uh, for today's show. And, um, some, uh, like, they resolve this problem very quickly. <laughs> very, very they quickly. They something to attack them. So. <laughs> but w- what we find out is Janeway's dealing with <laughs> immense guilt about the decision to stay in the Delta Quadrant to protect the Ocampa. And um, to destroy the caretaker's uh, station, which was their ticket back home. And she's questioning if the actions that she took, if these were the right actions. And dealing with a lot of guilt and detaching herself from the crew. And when she finally is able to share some of this, the crew's like, no, you did the right thing. And they... um, she faces the exact same conflict and decides to go about it differently and then everything's resolved. Now, that episode probably should have been a two-parter so that these themes can really be extended, but it's definitely burnout. Um, Unfortunately, we just don't see 
the bulk of it. It's it's a lot of it happened over that course of the two months. But um, but it's there. It's it's definitely a really great example of burnout. Yeah, yeah. It suffers. It suffers from the forty eight or the forty three minute quick fix. But uh, but yeah, interesting show though. It was it, um, well. I'll talk more when we get to K3 later. Okay. I know you've got you've got a lot to say about it in uh, in K3, so spoilers for what we're going to be talking about. And then let's let's pick up to one of our newest shows, which is Star Trek Discovery. And this image right over here as Michael Burnham is released from prison, she is on a uh, uh, a shuttlecraft on her way to Discovery and she has this very, uh, what we call in mental... She doesn't know she's going to wind up on Discovery. Oh, yeah. right. She doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know what's happening, right, at that point. Um, she has this, what's called a very uh, flat affect. Um, it, it's almost like no emotions is the emotion. And we see her be quite detached, um, partially because she doesn't know anyone on Discovery, Partially because of um, her reputation as this uh, uh, person who committed mutiny, um, yeah, and the and the and the person who got them into this conflict with the Klingons, um, she also doesn't. She's not stationed with anyone she really knows except Saru. I believe Saru's the only one she really knows on that ship, um, and it's it's an interesting way to think about burnout. Um, uh, Larry, this was an example you brought up, and when, when once you brought it up, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a great example for us to talk about. We kept talking about burnout, and I kept thinking, oh, burnout, Burnham. Yeah, that should have been a <laughs> should have been a nickname for her at the time, but yeah. Uh, no, it's it, that moment, that's just one of those stark images, because it's really the first time the camera finds her after the whole Battle of the Binary Stars, which, by the way, that drives me up the wall. Binary stars, a binary star is two stars. So binary stars should be like four. Anyway, mm. nobody, it's like, why is it not the battle of the binary star? And if it's such a battle on the border, why haven't they named it? Or it doesn't have a name. I don't care whether it's, you know, Alpha Dumbartus or it's uh, Ralph. It's like, why do they have to call it? Anyway. Um, I think that a, should be added to our drinking game is uh, Dr. Trek complaining about canon. <laughs> No, I'm a, I'm a big believer in texture, not trivia. That's my hashtag. Ah, uh, texture. I like that. I like that, that one. Since that got pulled out for a title and all, it's like, oh, they're just in love with alliteration for titles. And it was a pilot, pilot, and, and all that. But uh, no, when we see her, we meet her. She's been through the ringer, and she's on a transport from one you know, lockdown facility to another one. And the whole thing of it being interdicted and intercepted and hauled off to Discovery launches our story anew. But... Um, She's sitting there with three other inmates who are all in the same boat, who are all like real inmates. They've all done hard stuff. And she's it's not it's not even clear whether she was in a Starfleet court or a Federation court, because some of them are they're civilians and she's not. It's kind of it's kind of wobbly cannony there at the beginning that no one wants to talk about. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, she's got that dead eyed look in her face. And it really is. If you think about the early voyage, the early voyages, the early episodes of Discovery, um, it's about drawing, you know, Tilly tries to draw her out for some weird reason. And, and she's Tilly. 
because she still, yeah, she can't help it. Tilly's got to be Tilly. Somewhere between Tilly at first, and then of course <gasps> Ash Tyler on the other end of things, pulling her out romantically. You know, is that triangle is what finally gives her back her humanity a little bit. Yeah, that and the writing team settling down. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, but but I I couldn't help but think you talk about that dead look. Um, Flat yes. affect. Flat affect. I call it dead eyes, but that's... Sure. Save, save that for the Wild West. So dead affect. Okay. Which, uh, we're not talking about Ben, right? Oh, wait, that's Affleck. Okay. But uh, With that, okay, so. um, there's, there's another... Let's go even farther to New Trek, and we have... Um, oh, Jared is updating uh, the life support drinking game. Uh, take a drink when anyone sings. It does an impression. All these pajamas appear on camera. Has that happened? Have I done that? Uh, what you're wearing now. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if I... <laughs> I was like, I have no idea if I wore pajamas yet. Um, or if Larry complains about canon, yes. Um, good rules to, to live by there. Um, uh, Tilly is awesome, Libby. I, I love Tilly, too. Um, another character that I love, Larry? Yes. Seven of Nine. Seven yes. of Nine, in um, especially in Star Trek Picard. Um, this moment where she is describing um, what she's been up to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it hasn't been great. So she's been working as this ranger in this region of space that the Federa- Federation has sort of neglected, and there's not much. Um, it, it's it's not a peaceful region. Well, it's not. It's not like they've neglected their own. It's it's the former border. It's the former neutral zone area. It's not like it's there's. It's like they. You know, it's like well, either we're criticized for being Mary Sue's. Or that's an old term, but we're criticized for sticking our nose in, or we're not. <laughs> it's like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. And people, for, when they were first watching Picard unroll week to week, and it wasn't a, it wasn't totally obvious at first. Obviously, at first they're all on Earth, but the Borg cube and all of that action that happens eventually and winds up with the with the the Sung android world. That's all kind of in the old border region of the former Romulan Empire. So it's kind of in a yeah. no man's land-ish area. So, yeah, don't worry about there's no law and everybody's, you know, pointless refugees. That was that was the point. That's part of the point. Yeah, and, and uh, there's a lot of real-world parallels there with what happens when, um, when a, a sovereign power might dissolve – or uh, some t- there might be some type of catastrophe that occurs. There's a, a lot of e- examples of that in history. Um, you can go back to uh, the Soviet Union and the break of, of that. And we see in Star Trek VI, it's about trying to prevent a catastrophic failure of the Klingon Empire. Um, but we see that with, in, in more recent history with uh, refugees that have been fleeing conflict. And some say uh, scientists are, are very worried about how climate change might impact um, countries and create new refugee patterns where people are trying to flee because of environmental disasters. So um, That's how the Syrian civil war started. Yeah. The Syrian civil war started over farmers leaving the drought areas and going into the cities and then being cracked down on and not getting any relief and rebelling about not getting relief from the government and then which was you know despotic dictatorship anyway yeah and then yeah 
I, I think Star Trek Picard has something to say about that. And uh, the uh, the problem I have with Star Trek Picard is it has a lot to say about a lot of things, because you're right. There are these different phases. There's the Earl Grey phase, which is the first three oh. episodes on and on Earth. <laughs> um, then there's the, uh, the this middle chunk that we're talking about. And then there's the Sung uh, Android uh, chunk of the story. Um, but I still love it. But... Um, Jerry yeah, Ryan's Star Trek Chunky. That's what we're calling Picard. <laughs> um, Jerry Ryan Seven of Nine um, gets some wonderful character development here. She has lost the only family member she ever had. Ichup has been really brutally murdered by her ex-lover. Um, I mean, wow! And um, she's she's working in this region of space that used to be the neutral zone, used to be the border of Federation space and the Romulan Empire that really got dissolved because of the events in Star Trek 2009. See, Star Trek multiverse. Call it a multiverse, folks, not Star Trek universe. I need to, I need to start a letter-writing campaign to CBS. Um, but um, this gets to what you were talking about, Larry, about... Uh, this is sort of a... Um, uh, an integration of both aspects of burnout, burnout in a very hopeless, catastrophic, difficult situation, and also burn burnout in terms of routine. And am I what is what I'm doing making any difference at all? And it's right there in this image where she says it's po- um, it's hopeless and pointless and exhausting. I mean, that's that's burnout. That is feeling I like thought that would help if I kept the yeah. I thought oh. I would. Just- that on this time yeah good image yeah. capture larry yeah. that's that's probably my favorite it's it's it gets to it right there that's what so many of us are feeling is like every day okay another one it feels hopeless and it feels pointless and it is exhausting um that's that's a really great great pick um <laughs> There were some comments, um, and we oh, had looking, yes. yeah, we had a troll that popped in from uh, Twitch. Uh, I'm sorry about that for anyone who had to see that. Um, but we um, Scott Scott had to go um, um, to to support some of his family who's in the hospital right now. So Scott, hope everyone is having a speedy recovery mm-hmm. there. But before Scott left, he also mentioned um, burnout in Enterprise's third season during Damage and Forgotten, right. and that's during the. <laughs> the Zindi arc, um, which is uh, similar to uh, going through similarly through what um, Cisco experienced in, in the Pale Moonlight as well. So we have so Janeway in uh, we didn't talk about Year of Hell, which is more on the life and death war. What would you expect them to feel? Yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Janeway. But that's that's that same mold, too. Um yeah. Zaheer has a great one here, talking about uh, Field of Dreams, DS9, the the Vulcan serial killer with the with the fancy bullets, and he oh. says Vulcans burn out too, and it's not pretty. No, no, it's not. It's not yeah. pretty. Um, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Sorry, you had uh, Libby up there. <laughs> 
I did have Libby, and um, I'm trying to find her comment. Um, uh, Clayton, uh, I'm going to get back to Libby's comment, but before that, Clayton says, it would be interesting to see stories told about other ships and the depression and isolation and perhaps even suicide among those crews, the dark side of wearing that uniform. I don't know if Star Trek Lower Decks is going to give us the dark side of wearing the uniform because it is the first Star Trek comedy, but I do think Star Trek Lower Decks... Because it's not a first contact ship, it's more of a second contact ship, uh, I think they're going to have a little bit more flexibility. (laughs) And because it's an animated series, they're going to have a little bit more flexibility to take some risks that you can't with the flagship of the Federation, or one of the most advanced starships with bioneural gel packs, or a ship on the front line at the gateway to the Gamma Quadrant. Um, They're going to be able to take some risks here with that, so I, I hope we get that with that. Star Trek, dark humor. (laughs) Um, Nathaniel says a lot of parents are finding themselves taking on caregiving roles that they had um, farmed up to others, like teachers. Yeah, so burnout here, just in terms of exhaustion, um, of you are working from home, you are also now a teacher, a PE instructor, a babysitter, during the exact times when you're trying to work, and also you might be taking care of elderly parents who are highly vulnerable um a lot of parents are experiencing a really high level of uh, of burnout and here's libby's comment um i'm working from home and there's seldom a change to signal the beginning and end of the workday. so i've been yeah. figuring out ways to change this although it's seldom in work clothing i do try to get dressed before i go to work quote go, go to work in the morning, even if it's in jeans and a t-shirt. And now I have an iPad, so at 4.30, the computer will go off, and I'll move to another chair. Let me bring that back on. Another chair with my iPad. I live in a small space. So I try to stick to a routine, but have special things planned out, even like online, like Life Support Live or a concert player lecture. Um, Libby, you're doing some of the things that I'm going to talk about in the counselor's log when you when you get to it. Um, yeah. Um, let's see, let's see here. Um, lots, uh, Dan says, Dan Leggy says, the universe literally means everything, which you can't have more of. So, multiverse is literally meaningless, but in a science fiction sense, I think, um, now I'm not a scientific advisor to Star Trek, but, um, the universe (laughs) is really the observable universe and what we can see um uh, i think multiverse really refers to what's beyond what we can see the space and region beyond what we can see well quantum universe is overlaying but not intersecting and and then there's that yes yeah 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 so there's the known universe there's what's beyond the known universe and there's the potential of of multiverses yeah 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 um yeah, so uh, there you go. Um, thank you, Christoph Select Leitner forty two for yeah. helping us. Um, thank you for helping us with the um, um, our troll. Um, yeah, that's that's why it's taking me a little bit of time to filter through the comments section, folks. I apologize for that. Um, I I got through them a while ago. Anyway, thank you. Are we- are we ready to hit the counselor's law? Let's do Let's that. Let's. Um, so we're going to move forward to the counselor's log. This is the part of the show. 
and get to the council. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we do a little bit of a deeper dive into the mental health aspect of what's going on. And um, to kind of tee up this conversation, I'd really like to know, are you experiencing burnout? Are you experiencing any of that exhaustion, that detachment? Are you feeling like what you're doing is a little meaningless, like you're not seeing the point of, of these actions? Uh, let us know in the comments of if you are and how you might be experiencing burnout. Um, so, Larry, the very last thing, the very last professional thing I did before the coronavirus broke out is I gave a talk at a uh, big organization about burnout. So when it came to prepping for this this episode... This frank amateur part of your life. Okay. Right, right, right. 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 Uh, the times where I get... I get um, uh, where people want me to wear the doctor hat as opposed to the Comic-Con shirt. Um, so this is something that's very fresh on my mind. And as I prepped that uh, presentation, I was not experiencing any burnout as well at, at all. It was things are kind of good. <laughs> I had, you had a detached perspective. Yes. I had just formed um, a new business and lined up all this work for the whole year, travel, speaking, gigs, all these kind of things for that new business. And then coronavirus hit and it was all canceled. And so now we're in a very different world. But um, burnout was very much... You're on... wasting your Saturdays with me. That's the whole... <laughs> oh, I'm always happy to spend my Saturdays with you, Larry, and uh, our community over here. Um, it's, the, it's the late night preps that I could probably skip out on because you and I are way too overcommitted. Um, but one of the things I, I looked at as I was prepping for that was the, the real impact of burnout. Um, and we talked about all those, those things that incorporate burnout, all the things that go along with it, the exhaustion, detachment, feeling ineffective, not seeing any accomplishment or purpose to your work, um, feeling like what you're putting in doesn't match what you're getting out. And one of the things that I was struck by is just how... Um, how uh, much burnout can really impact your health. So burnout has been linked to increased risk of heart disease, of stroke, diabetes, infertility in men, sleep problems, not to mention a wide variety of psychological problems like anxiety and depression and all of that sort of stuff. And so scientists have been trying to figure out, well, what's the connection here? How do you get from burnout to an increased risk of like infertility and heart disease? How do these things happen? And it seems like when someone is experiencing burnout, their stress system is overactivated and stays active for a very long time. We're not really built for that. Our ancestors, if they're being chased by a lion, their stress system would be activated and then they run away and escape and then stress is gone or they're trying to run away, escape, and they and try to escape and they don't. And then in, in that case, it doesn't matter if you're stressed or not. Um, but that's kind of the way we're built to experience stress is for these um, small moments of uh, when there's something you need to do and then you do the thing and it's gone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're not... Yes. Yeah, the ancients weren't expecting, ancients and ancient pe primitive people weren't expecting sustained 
days and weeks and months of no. of war or stock market crashes or pandemics or or like whatever. studying for exams um all of yeah. that kind of stuff so with burnout your stress is overactivated for a long period of time and uh, if it's if stress is overactivated and not really dealt with, and one of the best things, by the way, if you want to deal with stress, one of the best things to do is to talk to someone about it. Um, it it can undo some of the effects of stress on your body if you connect with other people. But if your if your stress is overactivated for that long, it can wear away your tissues in in your body, and it does impair your immune system. Overactivation of stress for a long period of time, um, it does uh, make your immune system less effective. So scientists think that this is the way in which burnout is so related to physical problems. The more likely you are to experience burnout, the less equipped your body is to repair itself and heal itself. So I was going to say that almost that now you're into the realm of people looking at the pandemic, people looking at COVID-19 yes. and saying, why is it so much more deadly among people of color, low-income communities? And it's almost like a, well, duh, if you've got no buffer in your life, if you're if you're on the edge and living in stress from not enough money or, or whatever your socioeconomic problem, you know, if you're on the underclass, that's stressful to live there, even if you're putting us, you know, putting the best face on that you can, because that's where you feel like you're stuck. But that's also why, and not to mention the fact that they've probably got less access to health care. Yes, yeah. So but all of those reasons are why the pandemic is ripping a bigger hole in those communities. So um, marginalized communities, people of color in the United States, I can't speak for other countries because I haven't been following that news as much. But in the United States, yeah, Larry, it's, it's less access to health care. It's also um, more likely to um, uh, people from marginalized communities are more likely to be the essential workers who have greater exposure and less likely opportunities to work from home. And these are uh, largely communities that have already had less access to health care, have been underinsured or haven't had insurance. And uh, you're also speaking to chronic trauma. When you experience uh, systemic racism or um, when um, you don't have the community support you need, when you're not living in um, a well-equipped suburb, um, uh, that can take its toll on you over time. And, and this is one of the ways it, it can take a toll. So what do we do about it? Um, Linda said, you're describing my life, um, all related to stress. And Rebecca also said, I'm not sure if it's really burnout or just being overwhelmed with everything that's going on in my life and only physically seeing my husband who gets the bur- brunt of everything when a uh, 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 gin and tonic, uh, I think that's what a GNT with one of my besties would help. Oh, would help my stress and burnout. Right. So like living with someone who might not be able to get the support and connection and, and things that normally help that person and, and the impact that that can have on you. I mean, a lot of you here in the comments are, are talking about this, this exhaustion. Uh, Simona says studying, working, family, housework, bills, um, all of this uh, stuff can really, can really um, weigh on you. Um, it can really weigh on you. So what do we, what do, we do about it? Um, 
Oh, one more. Susan says, um, I've been on the edges of burnout for a while. My work is progressing, social security disability cases, and there's so much material. Even leaving the office, I have difficulty leaving it behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the other thing. You know, a good friend of mine, he's working at a company here. He's able to work from home, but... Um, a very big chunk of his company has been laid off because they're dependent upon other businesses hiring them. Other businesses are struggling, so they haven't been hiring my friend's company. The friend, My friend's company has then laid off a lot of their employees. So while my friend is very grateful that he has a job, his workload, Larry, has gone from here to here because now he's yeah. doing the work of, like, four people. Um, so he's working... Um, like- he- yeah, he's often working 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. straight through. Um, and because he's working from home, um, people seem to be less respective of his time than when he was at work. So he's booked all those hours. He's not able to take a lunch break, anything like that. So a lot of people are overworked, overwhelmed. Um, and then those who don't have a job, there's the stress and worry about about that. So what do we do? Well, we can't be stress-free. You can't eliminate stress from your life. And it's very hard to find any sense of balance right now. So that's that's not the way to think about it. So the opposite of burnout is not, you know, a, a self-care day. It's not about um, just um, taking a break from it, everything. The opposite of burnout is connection. The opposite of burnout is connection. So what do I mean by that? Um, uh, Larry, everything okay on your end? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get a little balance back in my life. (laughs) Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, I'm glad. Oh, no, I lost lost my connection with you. Uh, There you are. Um, all right. Not to make fun of any of this, but yes, it's true. It's true. We're getting people from the comments here. Uh, yeah, everything everybody's saying. We're all we're all there. We're all there. And you know, I was going to say we did talk about we had stress as a topic early on. Yes. Um, and we're kind of micro. You know, this is like a. It it's coming back to me how we're talking about different stops along the spectrum here. Yes. And that burnout may be an earlier stop along that spectrum that leads to stress and that leads to you know as you mentioned before depression um some of the not you know there's healthy there's there's it's almost like there's diagnoses and then there's like negative uh like not helpful activities that come out of this like some of the things we can do that, you know when we really get into a dark place or we know people that go to a dark place when they start down this path and it's almost like burnout is one of the first stops along the way so even though i feel like we're we're repeating a little bit about what we said before. This is we're kind of focusing in on. I mean, would you agree? We're yes. kind of focusing on the, more of the root of some of the bigger issues we've talked about already. Yeah, there's. Uh, this is uh, this is often my challenge when we get to the away mission, the part of the show where you can take and apply some of what we've talked about to better your life. We're looking at a lot of similar things from different angles and different lenses, and <laughs> I think that's just really um uh really interesting because there's so many ways we can experience all this stuff and what we come out of is often similar it's a similar kind of strategies that can help and you'll you you all will see that when we get to the counselor's law 
No, that's this right now. When I meant uh, when you get to the away mission. So the um, the way to get through burnout is really connection. And so what do I mean by that? Um, connection to where you are. So for a lot of people, something that I talk about with burnout is how to be at work when you're at work and at home when you're at home. Now, Larry, one of the challenges with coronavirus, many of us are doing that in the same place. If you're able to work from home, you your work is at home and you are at home. And you don't have that separation. You don't have that transition. So here, we need to do what Libby actually mentioned earlier, which is... As much as you can have like one corner of your home or one setup or one dress for when you're doing your work things and then to physically separate from that when you're no longer doing that work. Um, it's easier to be present for work if you have to go somewhere, if you have to leave your home. Yeah, it's extremely well, and, hard at home. And Jess brought up earlier that I, I turned it into a Star Trek thing. They even on a ship, even on a starship or a space station, yes, where you're in a confined space, they all still have their workplaces, and then they have their personal quarters. Yeah. They've got holodecks. They've got oh, they've got quarks. They've got ten forward. They've got the place to go to where they're not at work, even though they're in a tin can. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just as important for us. Um, Even if you're um, like, think of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Not only are they on a uh, they're on a space station, so they can't really go anywhere, but they have the promenade. Um, They have places where they can connect. And so we're it's more like we are more like on runabouts. Most of many of us (laughs) who are like, um, there's no promenade. There's no holodeck. Um, <laughs> a dinky replicator, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you come over and have dinner and I'm cooking, it's going to feel like a dinky repl- replicator. Uh, absolutely. Um, you enjoy replicator, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you do, even if you live in a, you know, my, my the first place I lived in New York City was an extremely small studio. I think it was like 400 square feet. It was it was very tiny. Um, and I I kind of assembled it as like, Corners. This is the corner where I sleep. This was the corner where I work. This is the corner where I cooked. And this is the corner where I watched uh, on my rinky-dink TV, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, so you, you kind of need to set up your environment a little bit so you can have that separation. So connection. Be at work when you're at work. Be at home when you're at home. The other thing is connection to your mind and body. One of the things we have to understand with burnout is is what is your body telling you? Is it telling you that you're exhausted? Is it telling you that you're stressed? Is it telling you that you're angry? Is it telling you that you need some sleep? And then what do you do to deal with those emotions? Well, you probably watch a previous episode of Life Support Live because we've talked about anger. We've talked about stress. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about sleep, Larry. We, we're on episode 15. We've covered a lot of stuff here. But trying to understand, okay, this is what my body is telling me, and here's what I need to do. Um, this is where why the numbing of burnout is such a danger because over numbing in the short term is good. It'll help you get, get through a really chaotic situation. Over the long term, numbing gets you disconnected when this stuff, it's not good because then you're not picking up on the signs that your body's telling you, hey, I need your help with this. I'm really stressed about this. I'm really angry about this. Um, Yes. So connection to your mind and body. And if you're still dealing with other people, being numb is not good either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dealing with yourself and dealing with them being numb is not good because 
that, that there there be dragons. Uh, Susan is is following up here and saying that many of my coworkers choose to work from home, but I am among the few that keep um, going to the office. Um, so even though I do have some difficulty disconnecting, it's left there. Um, so that's a great example of, of leaving the work at work when you can. So connection to your mind and body, um, uh, and two things that you and I keep talking about over and over again, Larry, is connection to each other. Something that really helps with burnout is when your friends and colleagues see you and they ask, hey, are you okay? How you doing? Yeah. You look in here. Yeah, um, all the bags under your eyes look pretty big. <laughs> they're, they're much bigger than usual. Um, going on vacation there, Ollie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like how can I help? What's going on? Can I take something off your plate? Um, what's wrong with this wild system that we are working in that I can maybe help you to address? Um, this is one of the best ways of self-care is actually community self-care, us supporting each other, checking in with each other. And this is something you and I get to do a lot with each other, Larry. And I think one of the ways in which um, you and I try to support each other as we try to split up the work of the show. We try to also, something that I think you and I are pretty good at is we try to be very flexible with each other because neither of us is on top of our work. We're all overworked. Um, and so um, you and I get to interact with each other a lot over the week. Um, we do our planning meetings over Skype, so we see each other. We text during the week or... You text and then I don't respond back for four days because I am incredibly overwhelmed. Um, which in itself is a signal. Yeah. Which is a signal that you pick up on and you ask about. So mm -hmm. um, who are the people in our lives that can check text in on us? louder and louder. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, it's so important right now when so much of us can't see each other in person to see each other online on a regular basis. So we get a sense of what's, what's your baseline so we know when you're veering off of it or to see if your baseline has dipped so far down that you need more support. And this is why I said early on on Trekland Tuesdays Live, my, you know, my weekly show on Tuesday where I have a topic. And like the, in March, the first week when all the shutdowns started to happen in, in California before they went national and before all of this really sunk into people what this was going to be, I said, Bert, you know, I was thinking – Partly in terms of the conventions, like the conventions are going, the big events are going to go away, including conventions. We won't have them, and maybe virtual will save us. And I wasn't even thinking. I mean, it quickly became apparent, but like virtual, this is saving us. If, I said more than once, if this pandemic had happened just ten or fifteen years ago or mm -hmm. further back, mm -hmm. I think we've all done a much better job. Of course, uh, you know, two or three months is one thing. We'll see what six months looks like. Yeah. We've all done a much better job, I think, staying, dare I throw the word around, staying sane, staying healthily connected with each other because of the tech we have now, because of Zooming and conference calling and yeah. anything virtual. And and the fact that it's easy and mostly free and layman can, you know, almost anybody, you don't have to be some high tech, you know, goof to deal with it. Most people can get on and even older people and, well, not younger people, but everybody is staying in touch this way better. And what was a novelty in the beginning for a lot of people, some of us have been using this for years, but for a lot of people, you know, you had the parody, you know, Saturday Night Live and the parodies and people doing the Zoom meeting memes and, and progressive insurance and the flow, you know, insurance teams for commercials was a joke. But it's more, we've gone past it being a novelty and a joke now. And I think it's dawning on people, 
we're seeing the virtual conventions on our end of things get more and more sophisticated at Comic Con at home. Yeah. Uh, my friend Ryan's virtual Trek Con that was just my friend, um, our mutual friend Niels, yeah. we had a pack also, uh, a lockdown con, which was really early and out of the gate, and some other things too. But it's like those have gone from being novelties to I think more and more people are realizing, I hope they do, yeah. what a lot, what a, what a, lifeline they've been to keeping us able to do some of these strategies you're talking about they've been a great source they've been a wonderful source for life support uh blog pod live or otherwise but yes the 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 two things the two caveats i have to that is number one there is a difference between um i think connection through life support live and regularly seeing people that know you well. So I, th- I think over here, what people are getting a, a, hopefully a sense of is the last point I have, which is the connection to purpose and meaning and um, connection to things that, that you love that have a larger impact, connection to community. That's really important. That's one of the things I love about Life Support Live and I look forward to it every week is I, I love this connection that we all have with each other to this thing called Star Trek, which has given our lives so much meaning and support and help and all of that sort of stuff. And, and as many people are talking about today, uh, escape or yes. the therapeutic, the therapeutic uses of Star Trek yeah. is something that you, and you can go to. Yeah. Dealing with your, some of the your, burnout, your little corner in your 400 square foot New York yes. apartment. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The deep space nine corner, as I called it. One of your four corners was Star Trek. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it was a very tough year for me. It was one of the last years of my graduate training. I was working really hard. And what got me through that was watching deep space nine from beginning to end um it it really helped me that was back in the days where i watched it off dvd it was not streaming um yeah i know a wild huh no i just you just made me think of how i got through the first year of my grad it was the the first uh, it was brand new and very trendy and very hip and it was late night but the first year david letterman had his late night oh show. man what a wonderful was, yeah like, i would be up working on you know theater projects and scenography and working on papers and um it was like this show is so bizarre it was so yeah 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 it was so different um yeah letterman was, was fantastic um yeah early early day but, which is now probably hopefully but the one the one thing i hope everyone is able to take away from this is also it's important for you to see other people who can see you on a regular basis so you can check in with them and they can check in on you and they can see the day-to-day week-to-week change this is really critical for nasa astronauts uh, because they um they're working with the same team in a place where there's isolation I i think there's so much we can learn from space psychology right now larry because working in a tin can like the international space station yeah if they can find ways to thrive, there's so much we can learn from them. And one of the things that they have is they have that regular contact with not only experts in mission control, uh, medical, psychological experts, but also with the, their team. They have rituals where they come together and they eat together. They also regularly contact their family. And so people can see the day-to-day change and if something's wrong and if they need some, some type of support. Um, and if you... Um, 
Um, uh, there's uh, yeah, it's, this is the comment. Uh, Clayton asks, I wonder about alien species and their mental problems. Do Klingons experience burnout, loss of meaning, and perhaps even shameful suicidal thoughts? I wonder uh, about yes. the yes, yes, absolutely, they, they do. do. We they s- do. Yes, we have um, seen them. Yes, I wonder about those Klingons on Star Trek Six um, in that little outpost um, that got used as comedy relief. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, what's the Klingon Rostochok? What are you? I I met that actor. He played his his title. His character was called Sleepy Klingon, and I met him at a convention. Yeah, Sleepy David Klingon. Orange, I think, was his name. Yes. Okay. Sometimes I think the writers keep the characters credited as that as like a joke. Um, sometimes I think that's just like a just pure fun. Sleepy Rostochok. Varian. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> no, it sounds like I think what you're saying there is there's also difference between we were talking about and I'm and I'm I'm so glad you feel the same way about this show and our yes. communities. I yes, I've really when we started talking about this and the corona hit, I really wanted to jump in and some of uh, my coach Jess was on our circle, our entrepreneur circle uh, across many fields and you know different types of servicing was all about jumping in and trying to help our communities and and not worry so much about expanding our companies as just trying to help our communities and our audience. And I jumped in with two programs, and this was one of them. And I've had to hold off on Nonfiction Fridays. We did about 14 weeks, and then I wanted to pull it back and do something differently. And I wanted to put all my energy into Life Support Live for right now. But partly that's because it's so rewarding. And aside from how we might grow our platform here, Aside from all that, and improve it and do all the tweaks, I just enjoy the engagement. But it's also what I get with my my Portal 47 community and all the communities that I my Tuesday Live bunch, and a lot of them are here with us today. And I invite I invite everybody to come over to either one of those. But it really having that keeps you fresh anyway when you work at home. But like right now, it's like everybody is in that that tin can attitude, and just having this. Yeah, there's the check-in with people to keep, see how you're doing. I think you were differentiating that. But yeah. this whole thing about keeping in touch with it, and we all feel like we're in survival mode. And a lot of us, between work and income or the lack thereof, and dealing with different hats, being caregivers, being school teachers, wherever we are, um, living with our mates 24-7 where we <laughs> used, used to have a little bit of a wait time. But... Um, um, but also keeping the things that finding even even though we're all in like for lack of a better word survival mode and still trying to do our jobs but still survive at that and much less survive at just day to day life but what you said I hadn't really thought of in that way but still finding a, at least a thread or a lifeline into something bigger than ourselves yes yeah it's uh, keep it's... that inspiration thread going because if you just because that's that's a yeah, that's a sure sign. Maybe you're maintaining, but that's a sure a sure way to to be at danger of going down the spiral. Yeah, down. yeah. There's there's it's a like lot of work at home, and now I've lost my work home differentiation. And yeah, there's a lot of pathways into burnout, and there's a lot of pathways out of burnout. And while the experience of burnout is similar um, across uh, whether you're on the front line of the Dominion War or if you're um, neck deep in the uh, or knee deep, knee deep, neck deep, which one? Um, well, they're both they're both bad. But I both- thought you were. I, are you about to go from the Dominion War to the domestic war? No, I was gonna go. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna go Dominion War to the five-year mission um, and oh. and Kelvin Kelvin Kirk. Whatever the reasons for your burnout, 
it, it looks so similar for for lots of different people, but there's many pathways in and many pathways out, and what will, what you might need could be different than someone else. So, and I'll, I'll get to that in the away mission of, of what to do. Um, but I just want to close up the loop here on. Um, uh, Klingon mental health. Dan said he uh, just added the op. He wants an option on mental health from a Klingon perspective. That would be a ton of fun. We should do that because Klingons absolutely experience burnout. It, for, and we've seen it depicted. We've seen it depicted times. many times. And for yeah. Klingons, it's often about meaning and purpose. Their meaning and purpose is to be a warrior, to bring glory to the Klingon Empire. And when they're just on a desk job, this job brings no glory or honor there no blood wine will be drank for my paperwork um they they absolutely can experience burnout larry is very scared of my Klingon. No, um let him have your space i don't i don't have any bat huts here all i have is uh photo I'm equipment really, is it okay I was gonna say, is it okay if I'm really relieved that you don't have any bat <laughs> yeah again if anyone's seen lower decks you don't you don't play around with thinking, uh, yeah. yeah. Can I hey, can I do a shout out real quick? So Please? Sean, our friend from Enterprise and Space, uh, actually said, and he has some health issues, I know, and he says, I use clinical hypnotherapy and a heightened state of focus. Yep. And sometimes beam my we were talking about uh, not retreat you know, the people used to say, Oh, you spend all your time in that fantasy land. It's like, well, you know, that can be very healthy and therapeutic. Um but, uh, uh-oh, what did we do for a drink? What, what um, do? It was my Klingon impression. My Klingon oh, paperwork. It, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah. My paper pusher Klingon. Say, so, <laughs> Pad pusher. Yeah, Sean says he uses clinical hypnotherapy and a heightened state of focus and sometimes beams myself onto an enterprise and explores the universe with my mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, not yeah. just watching episodes, yeah. But just totally, uh, what is that? Visual, uh, uh, yeah. creative visualization. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot that's happening there. Um, there's a misnomer with like, what does hypnotherapy mean? And it's really about a deep state of relaxation and focus that some people can can tap into. Some people can't. Uh, but uh, for some people, it's a deep state of relaxation and also the idea of um, visual imagery. It can be very grounding for people when you feel detached to be grounded in a memory or space that's very familiar to you. So sometimes if someone is experiencing these out-of-body detached moments, I'll talk about, um, I want you to visualize a space you know very well. And sometimes it's real, sometimes it's fictional, like the uh, Enterprise. Uh, so that's that's a wonderful way to, to help you to feel grounded in something when you feel very detached and, and not so grounded. So speaking of getting grounded... Um, Larry, I was going to say, have we ventured into the... the oh, okay. I want to we'll get. That. I was going to say, have we gone to the? Uh, have we gone to the away team brief? Uh, no, away team don't skip ahead of K three factor. I've been I've been waiting for this one all. I want to say all week, but honestly, I've just been waiting for it for, for the last twenty four hours because as of twenty four hours ago, you had no idea what you were doing for K three today. So well, right, we we honed it. So yes. um, what is the K three factor, and what are we doing? To, or what is it today, Larry? Well, I know our regulars know this, but if you're new to Life Support Live this week, K3 Factor is my chance. In the middle of Dr. Ollie's real doctoring <laughs> is a chance for Dr. Trek to jump in with a little deep dive on Star Trek that kind of relates to our theme somehow. And, of course, K3 is like one of the only mentions of mental health 
in all of the original series. It's a little instrument on the on the bio monitors above the sickbay beds. But so this week's K three is harkens back to we were talking about the episode night, not the void, but night on Voyager. And night was actually you're talking about what a weird concept it was for them to be in this starless void. And to show Janeway being depressed for apparently weeks, yeah. it was the first episode of the season, fifth season. Yep. The blue cover, the blue cover scripts, I remember well. It's it's also the time, those, you know, we talk about the cliffhanger episodes, but the first episodes back from a season, a lot of times, series like Star Trek will use that. You look at DS9 and Voyager especially, and it, they got more and more into. They talk about, like, they've physically been away for three months, and they, they kind of fill in something happened. Right. This night, the Minion War, it would be, oh, the, the war's not gone well these last two or three months right. when they co- would come back, right? I miss that. And, because it's it, yeah. it, this idea that the story's continued while we've been away for summer. And that's totally blown, and I think it's going to be totally blown in 10-season, you know, streaming yeah, series. Now it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. But in Night... You got that sense because they'd been there for weeks and weeks and weeks already. But also, that was the first episode of the fifth season at a time for Voyager in-house where Jerry Taylor had retired, who had been the showrunner head writer. Michael Piller, her co-creator with Rick, had already left, was off on his own and was like a, a creative consultant. He's still getting his residual and writing notes, but he was not actively in the day to day. He was reacting. And Jerry had just retired, not from Star Trek, but from the industry. She was headed up north. She was retired. (laughs) No more. And that left Brandon finally became showrunner all on his own. And so he's totally got the show, Brandon Braga, and he's totally got it on his own. And one of the things he wanted to do to put his mark on it, there we go. Jerry had just retired. And Brandon, this was when Brandon and Jerry Ryan were dating. So let me don't let me mix up my Jerry's here. Jerry Taylor on the left, <laughs> Jerry Ryan on the right. <clears throat> but Brandon had just taken it over as the sole showrunner, really wanted to put his stamp on the show five years in, and was really bent on having like shorter dialogue speeches and more action. Mm-hmm. And, and getting away from the Shakespeare and tights that, you know, next gen and DS9 could be. <laughs> Shakespeare so, and his, tights. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, yeah. Uh, that was somebody's term for it. Oh, Patrick's, I think. So, although a lot of Shakespeare happens in tights, but he's talking about the tight uniforms. Uh, the lycra at the beginning. Spandex. So, the thing is, in doing so, Brandon really wanted to come up with this. He said, I really wanted to, going into his first time to be alone in the center seat, he really wanted to put a stamp on the show. And look, it's five years in. The characters aren't baby characters anymore. Right. He really wanted to be reflective. And so the first thought he had to, he had was this whole void and to, for Janeway to be reflecting on her choices, you know, to get to a point in the maturity of the show. So that was one thing. And then in coming up with everything we've talked about here, what that meant for her. And she's actually in kind of a depressive moment here. She's, mm-hmm. she's, um, ruminating right is the thing a lot of guilt ruminating about her past decisions yep turning away yeah that's her dealing with it but also what you said earlier another way of dealing with it occurred to good old tom paris yes and this is actually the show this is actually the episode that introduces captain proton captain proton I mean, you're thinking, oh, this is a depressive show where Janeway's locked in her room and she's in the dark and won't see anybody and it's so depressing. But this was actually the 
Captain Proton was created for the show and also to be the new holodeck running, you know, gag right. kind of beeline. Right. But what people may not know, here's your K3 coming. Well, maybe the dun, dun, dun. Hopefully that's been illuminating anyway. <laughs> in, in... <laughs> this is all the the pre K3. This is all pre K3. That just came to me. No. So what people may not know is can you put Tom Paris back can you put our Captain Proton? I always have to put up Tom Paris. <laughs> So Bob Blackman, costume designer, literally took the outfit, and you can barely see the top of the buckle. That control panel, best of all, it's hard to read. I wish I could blow it up uh, closer. Can we get Can we get to Commando Cody there? That's an exact copy of a serial from the '40s called Commando Cody. The helmet and everything. Can, okay, I wish, but the knobs on his jetpack—they literally they're say they're on-off. identical. They say up, down, on, off, fast, slow. Wow. Literally. But what's cool is in, in a Hollywood that, you know, doesn't ever build any – even they don't even build cheap things. They just want to keep reusing them. That was reused in another serial called Zombies of the Stratosphere. Can you put that <laughs> one up? That also featured the exact same – oh, no, that's the last one. No, go, go ah! Oh, no, this one. Yes. So there's zombies of the stratosphere using the same jacket. And look who's next to it. That's our Satan's robot only in 1940. Not only was it reused for a silly serial called zombies of the stratosphere that we just saw. Now, now pop, now pop me up there with the two this guys, one. the two henchmen. Yes. Do you recognize the guy on the left? It looks a lot. looks like a familiar person. It's Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just to bring this all full circle in a weird way. Wait, so, so what's this thing? There's your K3, huh? What are we looking at right here? This is He's one of the henchmen from a, one of those serials. You know, they would show 10-minute chapters on Saturday mornings in the yeah. theaters. Yeah. That's, that's, it had another name, but we love to call it. It finally wound up with a name called Zombies of the Stratosphere. So Leonard Nimoy was a, uh, a henchman on this, on this show. Yes. It was a movie series, yes. used the same uniform... From this show, which right. w- influenced directly the z- uniform for this show. Well, if you want to summarize it, yes. Larry, <laughs> that is a pretty good K3 factor. What <laughs> that? How, how did you pull this together? Like 24 oh. hours ago, you had no idea what you were going to talk about here. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, Oh my gosh, I love um I so love I that guess K3. Years later, Brandon's first shot out of the bow and he's when he was in the solo seat, uh is still making an impact. So there you go. There we go. Um that is a, a, a wonderful K three factor. Thank you for that, Larry. Uh let's jump into the away mission. I've got a pretty quick away mission for all of you, and then we're just gonna open up the hailing frequencies. So um um, as we get into this away mission, a question for you all. What's helping you with your burnout? I'd really like to know what strategies you're doing, what you found to kind of help you with that exhaustion, detachment, feeling um, uh, feeling like there's no meaning or purpose behind what you're doing. What, what's helped you? Now, I mentioned before, Larry, that there's many pathways in to burnout, um, and there are many pathways out of burnout. However... Sure. To know, yes, there's there's lots of things that folks can do. However, to know what might be the best place for you, 
Um, you have to run a level one diagnostic. Not a level two, not a level three. Wait a minute. Is level one the best diagnostic yes. or is like yes. level five? Okay. No, no, no. Level one. It's like deck one. I, one. that's good to know. That's a good, good mnemonic for me remembering. I had a debate with my friends on um, my Star Trek Adventures role-playing game about this. We had a... Uh, my character ran a... Uh, my character is a first officer um, and uh, ran a, a diagnostic and then we didn't know, wait, should it be level three or should it be level one? Uh, we... we, we, we. This is the stuff that Larry loves. He loves getting into this level of canon. This is his favorite type of canon to debate. This is not even a level of canon. This is it's level one. I'm moving along. <laughs> we couldn't remember, and I tried looking it up in my technical manual. I, I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. It may out. have been uh, post technical manual, but anyway, I think so. Memory, I think there's so. a thing called memory alpha. You know, there's a thing called text me. Yeah, yeah. I should. I should just text you next time. Um, if you want to know what happened is I just, I, I ran a level two diagnostic with a type R modification. So that's how I got around that. That's my favorite bit of Technic Babble. There's an episode, maybe Larry, you know, you remember the exact episode, but there's a episode where, um, Jean-Luc Picard, um, I, I forget, I think Jordy or Data are saying something. They're like, oh yeah, blah, 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 type R. And then, uh, Jean-Luc goes... Type R. <laughs> it's, just, it's obviously it. stuck with you. Uh, yes, but anyway. just the, the I, look on his face at the moment. Yes, just the look on his face and um, Patrick Stewart probably thinking in his head, like, you know, I'm a Shakespearean trained actor and I say these stupid techno babble lines, <laughs> and I have to deliver them as a Shakespearean. Thespian would um, actor, yeah. and is an actor <laughs> type R. <laughs> Anyways, I have serious stuff to say. So that is run a level one diagnostic. And what I mean by that is take one day out of your life, and what I want you to do is track every hour of that day. What are you doing, and how is that impacting you? What are you doing? How does it make you feel? What are you doing? What thoughts, thoughts come up for you? Or if you want to make it really simple, what are you doing? And is it making you feel better? Or is it making you feel worse? You can just do a plus or a minus on it too. You can track on your phone. If you have a printer, which I don't, which I kind of wish I did right now, um, you can print out a sheet. You can track it. Um, track your activities for one day. Because what you're looking for are patterns. What are the things that are really breaking you down? What are the times of the day where you feel really numb? What are the things that are making you feel meaningless? And then what also are the things that are helping you? Uh, sometimes, you might need to do this for a few days but for a lot of us our days are so monotonous that just doing it for one day might help and we want to pick up on on patterns and once you figure out some of those patterns then you can go back and watch this episode again and try to figure out okay what are some of the strategies it seems like um i really feel disconnected okay so i need to find more ways of connecting with other people or i really feel exhausted okay what are more ways i can connect with my body and take care of the needs of my body that's one way in which we can also Sort of work through this burnout is just figuring out what are the patterns it all it all starts with a level one diagnostic folks 
So you're saying that it's helpful to find meaning in patterns of meaninglessness. Yes, that is exactly what I am saying. Um, That is exactly what I'm saying, Larry, is um, we have to figure out what are uh, the patterns there. Um, uh, And apparently, (laughs) I just saw this and it makes me laugh. Glenn is saying, I love the way Text Larry became one of the technical resource manuals for Dr. Hollywood. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to text you, Larry, next time. Uh, next that time applies we're... only to Star Trek gaming. <laughs> so that's my away mission, folks, how you can start to apply this stuff um, in your life. And we're going to open up the hailing frequencies. We want to uh, dive into the comments. More than they're open now. With... Yeah. Yeah, we want to uh, we want to make sure that we are all in contact with you, and we are talking about all the lovely stuff that you're talking about. You're always welcome to uh, to join us here by uh, messaging us on uh, Life Support Live Host on Skype, and we're gonna work through some of our comments and make sure we have um, a lovely conversation and dialogue here, folks. Uh, Larry, any comment you are you've been um, itching to to get to? Larry likes to work from the top down, and I like to work from the bottom up of the comment section usually we kind of meet in the middle at some point it's 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 a, it's a metaphor for life um <laughs> i start at the top and uh, yeah ollie starts at the very bottom and go no uh no i'm just looking at some of the folks talking uh we've got some folk <laughs> between jared and libby we've got people whose uh parent her dad's parents were like the one-offs and the the one cop in town the one sewer worker in town and um I've lost the thread of oh about how that interfered with work and talking about how work and life uh, early on saw how work and life um, were mixed in and had to separate that and how sometimes it wasn't always uh, easy to do that and people multitasking and uh, Simona saying people need more support from the artist and the musician to help with stress and anxiety overwhelming for many of the people. So um, uh, there's something I want to say there, which is um, there is a bias in our culture here in America, this idea of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. What does that mean for those of you who are not American? What it means is you fix your own problems and you make it better. And that's a big American bias. And um, one of the things when we're reaching this level of a crisis, sometimes we just need, we need systems around us to do things differently. Something that has been helping a lot of people, Larry, is the, um, the extra unemployment benefits that people have been getting because it's been just enough for a lot of people to still pay rent, to, to buy food, to do all that sort of stuff. That is set to expire soon. So when it comes to burnout and exhaustion, sometimes we just need support from our governments, our local, state, federal government. We need them to do things because we, otherwise we are helpless for, to resolve some of these things ourselves. So um, I don't want to give the message that, oh, you can fix it yourself because sometimes what we need is advocacy standing up for what we we need we want um and getting that support from our leaders yeah i'm I'm trying to think of the phrase we say not the stoic individual or the uh 
there's that there's an American phrase that's misleading. Yeah. There's that a many. <laughs> the whole well, yeah. The the self the self made millionaire, but even more in a in a. Oh oh right 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 right. Yeah. I was um. I was talking to a friend of mine who works in uh, the tech startup scene here in um, in Silicon Valley, and um, um, he works for a company that funds a lot of startups. And every time um, a company's had a big success that they've helped launch, they always joke around and they're like, another overnight uh, success story out of Silicon Valley. And they laugh because the stories of most of these companies is... Failure, failure, launch something, doesn't work, try something else, failure, failure, failure. And they've been working on it for like four or five years, and now maybe something good has come out of it. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of aspects of American society where um, the bias is so on the individual, and they're the success, and they did it. Or you can fix yourself. You can you can work your way out of homelessness. Why are you homeless? Well, you know, Excuse there's me. a lot of reasons. Yeah. Guys, I have to go deal with a, a technical issue. Yes. So I'm going to leave it to you here. If you want to go single screen, I don't know if yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go single screen for the next few minutes and so make I'll sure we get to well, some of the comments. For the rest of the day, then uh, it's been great, and we will see you later if I don't see you later. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Larry. Good luck. Okay, thanks. Yep. Um, while I boot Larry off of Life Support Live, uh, let me kick him out. There we go. And we are back here. It is Olima 2 presents Life Support Live as hosted by Olima 2. Um, so I want to work my way through some of your comments here. Um, Libby says, uh, when the weather is cooler, I'm hoping to take a few days off work and go camping. Arkansas, fun fact, when I was a kid, I thought there was two states. There's Arkansas and Arkansas, because I didn't realize that that's how Arkansas is spelled. Uh, fun fact from my life and times. Arkansas has a, um, has a diamond mine that is a state park. Oh, wow, I had no idea. It's one of my happy places, whether I'm actively diamond slash rock hunting, or can you still find diamonds in there? Are you serious? Um, or just sitting, watching others. I can't do a lot of activities I'd normally do, like flea market um, picking, etc. But I think the um, I think the relaxation will help me. Libby, one of the things I'm so grateful for is living in Northern California. There are a lot of big regional parks around me that are just about half an hour, 45 minutes away. And it's a place where I can go and I can safely socially distant and also be connected to nature. It's been a huge source of support for me because I get a sense of connection to this larger world that I can safely engage in. And um, that has been just uh, really helpful for me in um, keeping me from um, f uh, or helping me manage some of my burnout. Um, William, we're always reading these. Uh, we might not always mention them as we're working through our show, but we're, we're always reading your comments. Um, and again, very much apologize for the troll that we had earlier. We're going to hopefully um, work on some of our... The troll came in through Twitch, and we'll hopefully work on some of those issues for next week. Um, 
Uh, Libby has another great comment here. Um, Libby, I am always so thankful for your mental health assists on this show. Uh, just because I'm working from home doesn't mean I shouldn't take a day off. This is something that I've struggled with is... Uh, I often feel like I am overworking myself and uh, work, a lot of work that I do is very meaningful. And so I I get a lot out of it, but I also get very exhausted from it. So one of the things that I do is um, Sunday, I am not allowed, I do not allow myself to do any work at all. Um, So Sunday, I kind of clear the day completely just for me and my family. And this is one of the reasons why we moved Life Support Live back a couple hours it used to be it used to start around now and we moved it a few hours earlier is because um my daughter is better able to just be alone with my wife during the morning hours but in the afternoon she gets a little restless and we need to go outside we need to do something to get her out of the space and um, it just helped to improve my quality of life to move it earlier as well so we we all need to do some things that get us a little bit of time away from from all of this and that's really harder during the coronavirus when many of us are um, working from home um Rose says, mostly not sure what to do, but today I'm just putting my feet up and watching loads of DVDs. After yesterday, my body is telling me to rest. Rose, I love that you are connected to your body. You're listening to your body and you're understanding that my body needs rest. Um, something that a term I just learned yesterday is ancestral self-care. What did our ancestors do to take care of themselves? How did they deal with burnout and one of the big things is rest is listening to your body your body's exhausted your body is is hurting it's in pain um standing and sitting all all day it actually um it can be very difficult for your back when you're sitting in this position so something i've been doing i've been getting a lot of back pain so i bought um this 10 and 20 dollar uh back rollers and i slide on those um just to work out my back a little bit every day. And I used to only do it at night. Now I do it midday. And it's a great way for me to listen to my body and respond to the needs that my body has. So I love that you're taking rest and I love that you're connecting with your your body. Dan says the arts community can help too. And I think right now, The community that is so helping all of us is the arts and entertainment community. They're giving us some distraction. They're helping us to connect with stories that um, get us some perspective on what's happening in the world. And the arts are um, definitely making it easier for us to to get through. Uh, Glenn says, speaking of burnout, I used to keep my head buried in my computer until I was a zombie when I was working from home, which I've been fortunate to do for 14 of the last 16 years. I've since learned that I can step away from a while and just go back to work later in the day, evening, weekend as needed. Glenn, that's a great um, piece of feedback. And I think those of us who have had experiences working from home have so much to offer and share with people for whom this is a very new thing. This is a very new experience. So I really appreciate your perspective there. Um, If you have any tips on what you do to get a little distance when you're working from home, let us know. I'd love to, um, I'd love to get your feedback on this. Uh, 
Zahir says, this is deceptively hard, but the more we do it, the easier it gets. That's a really great point as well, Zahir. So many of the uh, mental health tips we're talking about right now seem very basic, but they're very hard. And I think the reason for that is the mental health strategies we're talking about, they're all very foundational because we're so foundationally struggling. And that's why they're so important, but that's also what makes them so difficult to engage in right now. Uh, <laughs> says when Larry's away, the Klingons will play cock the bock, bock, I don't know. I don't know. I don't speak Klingon. Um, and those of you who do probably just said there's that's meaningless. Uh, Klingon Ali is scary. You know, is it here? So I've been playing this Star Trek role playing game and it's been a ton of fun. Um, the character I play is half Endorian, half uh, Beta Z. Um, and it's, it's a ton of fun to play that character. But the more I play it, the more I'm thinking, I think the real fun would be playing a Klingon version of this game. Uh, uh, and I think there's a Klingon expansion out of Star Trek Adventures. Uh, I think role-playing Klingons would be a ton of fun and even more fun than uh, role-playing Starfleet. Um. <laughs> uh, wow, really big diamonds in Arkansas. Um, I had no idea. Um, Dan says, how long are the life support episodes these days? I thought they were an hour long, but is it two hours more accurate? You know, we aim for 90 minutes and we aim to at least get through the material that we have in 90 minutes. And then we like to save the extra time just for open conversations, the hailing frequencies. So folks who have limited time, um, hopefully they can know that if you stick around for at least a hour, hour and a half, you'll get through most of the material. And then if you need to leave, you can feel free to, but we try to keep, we try to at least get through all the main comments in the, um, in the hailing frequencies section. Um, Libby, the center, uh, crater of Diamond State Park. So I'm going to have to, a six carat was found a few weeks ago. Most are much smaller. However, I've been going for years and haven't found one. It's Finders Keepers. Wow. That is amazing. I had no idea we, we had that in the United States. Um, Rebecca has to go. Thanks for being here. Um, good luck getting the milk. Uh, hope hope that works out for you. Uh, let's see. Um, Libby says I've had back uh, I've had a bad back from um, three car wrecks. Oh my gosh, Libby, I'm so sorry. Uh, back pain can be so painful because it impacts your entire body, and we we even see that with Worf in an episode of The Next Generation. I have to remind myself to get up and move. Um, I check my snail mail, put a lot, put a load of wash in, um, uh, take out the trash, things I do after work. If I was in the office, in my office, I'll be up taking ma um, mail to the mailroom, etc. Yeah, um, it actually helps me to do chores and errands that take me out of the home too. I get sunlight. Sunlight will wake you up. You have this thing in your in the middle of your mind called the um, suprachiasmatic nucleus it's your internal clock and it's highly influenced by sunlight so for me getting outside getting sunlight helps and different body movements help so if you're sitting all day you really need to activate your different muscles, give the muscles you've been using a bit of a break, and also um, activate the rest of your body. So doing chores, doing things like that is uh, super helpful. Um, 
Susan, you have a cat named Jean-Luc and it's sitting in your lap right now? Oh my gosh, that is so cute. I love that. Um, the purring helps. There's nothing is more soothing than a cat's purring. And boy, do they uh, really make you earn it. <laughs> they don't just, um, they won't just purr all day long. You have to really uh, be sweet to them. Um, Zahir says half Endorian, half Beta Zed. Uh, you just blew my mind. Um, yeah, it's a cool character with a pretty cool backstory. Um, my character's father was a candidate for uh, president of the Federation, lost that election because um, the father um, father and, and, and the mother was um, has also served in the Federation Council. This is why my character grew up on Earth. But the father lost the election um, and the father was talking about how Starfleet needs to militarize. And this is pre-Wolf 359, lost the election and um, really struggled with that recovery. It uh, resulted in a divorce. Father went back to Andoria. Uh, mother stayed on the Federation Council and then served on the administration of the president who beat my father in uh, in that election. So that's my character's backstory. If you if you want to know more than more, um, which you probably didn't. But there you go. That's where my character comes from. Clayton says, it's a small thing, but I make sure my phone's notification alarm is Father Jack from British comedy, Father Ted yelling, shut the F up, shut the feck up. It puts a smile on my face. I love that. Little things that might uh, give you joy and meaning and a little bit of humor. Super important. Um... Libby says, I'm a first fandom Klingon and for decades dressed up for conventions. So much fun. Um, but I'm rather small and greedy. Someone once asked if I have the heart of a Klingon, but the soul of a Fergie. <laughs> yeah, there's, there are Klingon merchants. There's the Klingon who uh, has the restaurant um, on the promenade. Uh, there's all types of Klingons. There's all types of ways to bring honor to the Empire. And sometimes making a great gawk ah sometimes that is what will bring uh, glory to to the emperor um yeah susan andro uh andorian beta z is totally a thing uh <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nimacek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>